Welcome to this week 14 edition of Bruce Monin's Computer Points. I'm Bruce Monin, your host, broadcasting from our studio in the heart of Minster, Ohio, home of the now 15-time state champion girls cross-country team. So congratulations to that Minster girls cross-country team. Yeah, we had fire exciting. trucks, Rebecca. <laughs> we do love the fire trucks. Yes, we do. Speaking of Rebecca, she is checking in from the greater Cincinnati area, home of the 21st ranked Cincinnati Bearcats, according to the AP poll. Who knows what it'll be cool. in the uh, college football playoff committee thingy on Tuesday night. Welcome, Rebecca. Happy to be here. I imagine you were watching last week, Rebecca, as our 9-2 and Bearcats beat Temple 23-3. to I had the score open on my phone. Most of my friends decided it'd be too stressful to watch. Yeah. So, of course, that was the easy game. Yes, not as bad as most weeks. They mm-hmm. actually covered the spread for the first time in six games for all of you Vegas-type people out there. This week, it really begins, though. UC returns home Thanksgiving Friday at noon to play number 19, 9-2 Tulane. The winner gets to host the American Athletic Conference Championship game the week after. The loser might get a play in it. It's hard to tell yet. <laughs> So we're hoping for a win because the boys don't lose often at Nippert Stadium, do they, Rebecca? Not recently, no. Not in the last, uh, what, 36 games? I, that sounds about right, yeah. To contrast that with us, we're going to start out with here are the results from our predictions last week. We predicted eight games last week. The Harbin Computer Points, the team with the most points, won four of the eight. They only did 50. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Personally, I did as good as the Harbin computer points and no better. Four and four for yours truly. A down week for me. Rebecca. Yeah. Five and three. Oh, boy. You took me out this week. And as usual, we lost to both the computers. Both calpreps.com and Drew Pastor went six and two. So you're only off by one, Rebecca. We really should trust those a bit more, huh? You would think so, but we will never learn. I guarantee it. (laughs) So... It's obvious that our knowledge is not sufficient for this time of year. So we have a guest this week. We'd like to welcome Scott Thompson, head football coach at Pioneer North Central High School, where they just completed their first high school varsity season this year. And it was a pretty darn good one as North Central went six and four and made the playoffs. That's awfully nice for a first year of football. So welcome, coach. Uh Glad to be here. I appreciate you asking me to be part of this. I believe as I was preparing for the year, I saw that you were the only new team added in Ohio this year. So it caught my attention early in the season. That could be true. I don't I don't know. I to be honest with you, it's it's been a passion and a lot of work to get the program off the ground over the past several years. And so we're really happy with the results that we had this year and and looking forward to that springboarding off the the foundation and the bar that we set for our program in 2022. So coach, our tradition here is when we have a new guest, we like to ask them about their football playing and coaching history. Could you give us a brief recap of that for yourself? Okay, I'm a graduate of Napoleon High School, Napoleon, Ohio. That's where I played high school football for a legendary football coach, Charles Buckemeyer. Who I believe the stadium is now named after? Yes, that's correct. He was my football coach uh, and was was a great coach. And back then, interestingly enough, and that would have been in the early 70s, all our other head coaches – 
assisted form. Our head wrestling coach was an assistant football coach. Our head basketball coach was an assistant football coach. The wrestling coach's name was Bud Shy. The uh, basketball coach was Fred Church. And incidentally, Fred Church just recently passed away this week. He was the last of several of the legendary coaches that we had back in the uh, 60s and 70s and 80s. But yeah, played for uh, Napoleon, was fortunate enough to get a scholarship to go on and play at the University of Toledo, where I was a varsity letter winner and a starter. Played for uh, Jack Murphy, who was the head coach back then. And after graduating from uh, UT, my education and uh, becoming a teacher and wanted to be a coach. And so ended up going in and being a teacher and a coach in various different high schools throughout the state of Ohio. Eventually, my career took me into administrative work, where I was an assistant principal and athletic director at several different uh, school systems, high schools uh, throughout Ohio, and then retired back in 2004, had got my 30 years in, and I still enjoyed being involved with kids, and so I continued to coach football and track as an assistant, uh, various different schools. My primary residence is in Vermilion, Ohio, which is not that far from the Cleveland area, and I've got vacation property over in the Pioneer area. So we kind of split time between the two residences. And when I'm coaching track and involved with the summer football and uh, fall football, I'm, I'm at the, our, pri- our uh, secondary residence. And then uh, right now I'm back at my primary residence uh, in Vermilion and just looking forward to the holidays. So, Rebecca, we have a few connections in all that, don't we? There's a couple, yeah. Outside of Napoleon, though, I think I lost the trail. Toledo, maybe? (laughs) Well, we have, my wife is a proud graduate of Napoleon High School in 1984. And then your grandma has always talked about wanting to retire to Vermilion. Oh. (laughs) Something about it's a nice place and it's not too far from the Cleveland airport. As in Vermilion's right, it's right on Lake Erie. And it is a a resort area, the uh, summertime. And so there are a lot of people that, come in here and they uh, they spend their summers here and then they take off and go someplace else. They may be snowbirds, I don't know, but uh, it's a nice community to live in. So you can see why your grandma Judy might be attracted to Vermilion there, huh, Rebecca? I'm just wondering when you've heard her talk about this, because this is brand new information for me. <laughs> oh, a couple times. I think mostly it's to annoy your grandpa, who doesn't want to leave Napoleon. <laughs> <laughs> May I ask the... So, Coach, I was wondering, first I had to look up Pioneer on a map myself. For those of you, others who don't know where it is off the top of your head, it's about as far north as you can get in Ohio and almost as far west, not quite. So what, just north of Montpelier, if I remember right? It's it's in Williams County. Williams County is the furthest northwest corner of the state of Ohio that you can get to. And Pioneer, is, it's a mile away from the Michigan border. So as you head up Route 15, uh, you drive through Pioneer, and there's there's one stoplight in Pioneer, and you when you go past that stoplight, you've got maybe a mile and a half or so to go, and you're crossing the Ohio-Michigan border. I mean, you're not going to get any further northwest in Ohio and, and be in a community. It's a community of about 1,500 people. It's a nice community. There's there's some really good people in the in the community. It, take a lot of pride. As in most small communities, they take a lot of pride and identify closely with the school system. And that explains the one Indiana school and the four Michigan schools on your football schedule Mm -hmm. this year. 
Yeah, we're, I mean, with us, this being our first varsity football season, it was delegated to me to try to piece together a, a 10 game varsity schedule. Uh, we're not in a football conference, although we do participate in our other sports in the BBC. There is no football division in the BBC. And so with us not being in a conference, uh, we really had to check all options available to us. And obviously, as close to Michigan as we, we are, our, our first objective was to try to schedule as many Ohio schools as we could that we felt like we could be competitive with. Obviously, we're not going to schedule a St. Ed or, a, you know, an Akron Hoban or a Toledo Central Catholic. I mean, we're, we want to have kids left on our team that we could finish our schedule with. But we tried, we t- took a look at what we felt was our competitive level. And then we tried to schedule within that, the, that framework. And then when we exhausted our opportunities in Ohio, we felt fairly certain that we could schedule Fremont, Indiana. Uh, there was a, a rapport between their people and our people, seeing as though our youth programs were actively involved in their youth programs when we were starting the program. So we were able to pick up uh, Fremont, Indiana. And then uh, we were exploring the possibility of joining the TCC, which is the Tri-County Conference up in Michigan, which has Whiteford, Erie Mason, Summerfield, and Sand Creek in it. They used to have Madison, Adrian Madison, but they've moved on to a different conference starting next year. So, and that is currently still an option available to us. In fact, I think our school is going to be up for a vote for admission uh, in the next month or so. So, uh, we're looking forward to possibly entering that conference in football only and competing with those schools in 11-man football. But that's really why we have such a, a mixture of schools on our schedule because our geographical location, you know, when you go, I've, I've been to various different parts of the state of Ohio. And when you're on the east part, you're, you're scheduling Pennsylvania and West Virginia teams. You're down in the southern part of Ohio, you're, you're scheduling Kentucky and West Virginia. And when you're on the east part or the west part of Ohio, you're, you're picking up some Indiana schools. So w- with us being as far north as we are, we had to explore the option of uh, picking up some uh, Michigan schools. Well, absolutely. As I mentioned, I, I said, I believe you're the only new school this year. Could you kind of tell me what the process is? You don't, you just don't start as a varsity football team. That's a multi-year process, I'll, I would assume. Yeah, they, my senior class that we had this year, we, we had four seniors on the football team. They were the first class down in third grade that actually started playing uh, youth football. And uh, so that, you know, that would be about nine years ago. Uh, when you take a look at that, it was a year-by-year basis uh, from about nine years ago. So they would they started out with third graders. Then when they moved to the fourth grade, they had third and fourth graders. Then when they moved up to fifth grade, then they had uh, third, fourth, and fifth graders, and then moved up to the sixth grade. By the time they had gotten to the eighth grade level, we had two classes back-to-back eighth graders and seventh graders who had some experience playing youth football. And I believe at that particular time, they, they were able to convince the school board that this is a program that we need to add to the school system and give it a chance to develop and grow. And so my seniors were eighth graders and my current juniors were seventh graders. We had our first school sponsored 
junior high program. That very next year, I came onto the scene as the head coach in the eighth graders from that year who had moved up to the ninth grade. They really didn't have anything they could do with them for that year. So they sat out a year mm-hmm. and our, our eighth graders and seventh graders played junior high football. And then when we were done with that particular season and I coached them that year, we moved into a JV schedule where we had sophomores and freshmen playing the first year. And we had an eight game schedule and we played, I think, a really competitive schedule. Most of our team was made up of freshmen. And so we scheduled some of the larger, more prominent programs, their freshman teams. We played Liberty Center. We played Archibald. We played Tenora's freshman team. All, all three of those, we played their freshman teams and uh, we were competitive with them. And then we scheduled some other schools in the area. Antwerp. We scheduled some schools down and more more towards central Ohio, like Marion Elgin. So we, we put together an eight-game schedule. We played Montpelier, uh, Eden. Uh, then the next year we had another eight-game schedule. So we had we had about four, about four or five juniors, and we had about eight or nine sophomores, and we had a, a couple of freshmen. We played uh a second year of JV football, we had eight great eight games. Last year, we were seven and one as a JV team. Year before that, we were four and four. And uh, so we felt like we had the kids in, had developed them with their, uh, as far as their skills and their, their physical size and their strength and their speed that we could go into a varsity season this year. It's a, it's really a good thing that we waited to this year because you know, the 10 game schedule was a grueling schedule for our kids. A lot of our kids have to play both ways and uh, they don't get any rest during a game. They're on kickoff return teams, kickoff teams, punt, punt returns, extra points, all the defensive plays, all the offensive plays. A lot of our kids play both ways and it's, it is physically demanding and we didn't have a whole lot of depth this year. So when we lose a player, due to injury, we lose two positions. Right. And because we'll, we'll lose, for instance, we lose a halfback like Cam Laney. We lose a halfback. We also lose a starting inside linebacker. And as we got towards the end of the season, our last three games, we were not at anywhere near full strength. We got hit by the injury bug. The uh, ninth game of the season against Summerfield, we lost three players in that game, which carried over into the next game against Whiteford. And then we had two kids that didn't even dress or get on the bus with us because of illness. Two kids were ill the entire week. So we had five kids that didn't dress for that game. And I mean, it was just, it's kind of a disaster for us, a perfect storm of injuries and illnesses. And fortunately, we got a few of those players back for our first round of the playoff game. Several of them had to play just one way. They, they weren't cleared to play both ways and we didn't want to we wanted to limit their exposure in the game. We knew it was going to be a tough physical game for us and against Waynefield Goshen, but we went to the game, played them on their home field. And I thought we played with a lot of moxie and, and grit and, and gave them a ball game, which, you know, once again, it, for us in our first year, six and four in the regular season and making the playoffs is quite an accomplishment for our young team. Yeah, and before all that injuries hit for the end of the year, you had a six and two start. Was there anything in particular that stood out during that start? 
that uh, six and two record could have very easily been seven and one. I mean, we lost soundly to Parkway. We were in that game through much of the first half, moved the ball fairly effectively, but got inside the red zone a couple of times and didn't score. And then it just kind of snowballed on us. Uh, they physically wore us down in the second half and it, the score ballooned uh, into the score that it, that it ended up. Our loss to Madison, though, was a much tighter game. Uh, we were actually being beaten by them at halftime, 20 to nothing. We came out in the second half, took the lead 22 to 20 with little more than five minutes left in the game. So we battled back in that game, took the lead, and unfortunately we could not hold in the end, and uh, they scored a touchdown on us. We actually drove the ball down the field with a couple minutes left in the game and got ourselves in a position where we're inside the 20-yard line. It was a fourth and one, and we got stopped. A kid penetrated through the, uh, the offensive line, stopped our running back, tackled him behind the line of scrimmage, and that was the end of the game. But uh, what it did, I, I think the, the loss to Parkway, with that being our second varsity football game, I think they learned a lot from that. I mean, every win and loss that you have, your kids should be learning something out of that game. And when we lost to Parkway, I, I believe our kids learned that, you know, sometimes you get knocked down, you got to get back up and, and you got to get back up stronger and what, what you were before you got knocked down. And we talked to them about a street fighter mentality, you know, sometimes, to, you know, when someone's in front of you and they're not going to let you pass by, uh, you've got to stand in there and you got to fight. You got to, throw punches with them. And I think that's one of the things that our kids learned is, is uh, when you get knocked down, you got to get back up and we get, you got to get back up with more moxie than you had beforehand. And that was a big lesson for them. And, and that carried us through several games. So, I mean, after the Madison game, we were two and two on the season, but we picked ourselves back up. We regrouped. And uh, I think we reeled off four victories after that and and that got us to the six and two area well as we mentioned before we're going to need your help with the state semifinal games here but first rebecca we have to hit our scores of the week which rendition are we doing this week which do you prefer you know which one i prefer well the executive producer rules so weird automatronic recording it is all right i found four games this week that i found interesting okay most of them involving some of our coverage area teams in west central ohio the first one did not however (laughs) (laughs) in region eight kings mills kings 46 cincinnati anderson 42 now with that win kings will be playing in wapakoneta this week against uh Toledo oh. against Toledo Central Catholic so okay that's a good midpoint yes but in this game it's the first regional title for kings in their school history really yes i mean i guess when you're competing against the other big cincinnati team it's hard to get up there that's true the quarterback for anderson he started the game completing his first nine passes for 100 yards 
He ended up throwing for 423 yards through the air total. The Kings quarterback countered with 241 yards passing and three touchdowns, and he ran for 176 yards and two touchdowns. (laughs) Okay. We had a real quarterback battle in that game. Yeah, no kidding. But what drew me to this is I saw a quote from the Kings quarterback. He said, I've worked for this my whole life to get to this moment. Not wrong. And as an old guy, I find quotes like that amusing when a 17-year-old talks about what they've worked for their whole life. Uh, <laughs> like a solid five years of effort. <laughs> Ten. But I still appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Our second game in Region 12, Tip City Tippecanoe, 20, Hamilton Baden, 17. We both picked that one wrong, Rebecca. We abandoned the home team. We picked Baden. Uh, Should have gone with Tippecanoe. And this was the first regional title ever for Tippecanoe. So we have a trend here. Is that going to be a trend for every score of the week? I don't think so. Tippecanoe actually must have a talented kicker, made a 42-yard field goal to open the scoring in this game. The score was then tied at 17-17. The only score in the fourth quarter was a 23-yard game-winning field goal with three minutes left. So good to see the field goal kicker get the glory sometimes in these games. In Region 16, Cincinnati-Wyoming, home school of my grandson in many years from now, (laughs) if they don't move. (laughs) I don't think they're going to move. I don't think they're going to either. A lot of effort to move into that house. Cincinnati, Wyoming defeated Cincinnati Taft seven to nothing. Oh, wow. Okay. This one stood out. Wyoming becomes one of the only seven teams in the history of Ohio high school football to record 10 shutouts in a season. Oh, my goodness. And by the way, one of those seven teams is this year's Marion local squad also. So there'd only been five in history. There's Now it helps with the more playoff games. There's more games to get to the True. 10. True. But still, sounds like they got a heck of a defense at Wyoming. Remember that later when it comes time for our picks. And in Region 18, Liberty Center 49, Bloomdale Elmwood 38. This is one of those games the points just kept adding up. It was didn't get to see it live. Fun to follow on Twitter, though. Liberty Center had previously given up 21 points against Napoleon. That's the most they'd given up all year before giving up 38 in this game and still winning. Elmwood actually led 32 to 28 after three quarters. Liberty Center had a strong fourth quarter, dominated 21 to 6 in the fourth quarter to get the victory. Oh, sounds exciting. I keep saying we should get to a Liberty Center game someday, and I never do. You never do. <laughs> so a quick reminder before we get to our picks here. If you go to my webpage, com, you'll see I'm still calculating computer points just for fun through the postseason here. There's other fun stuff there, but that's the main thing. Also, Rebecca, still no comments or questions this week. It's awful. <laughs> You need to start like prompting people in person to ask us questions. <laughs> oh. Although I, I did do part of my job and introduced my one of my D&D groups to the podcast. So we might have had a listener bump this week. All right. We have Dungeons and Dragons people listening to a com- football computer points podcast. That sounds like <laughs> At a least to me. part of one of them. <laughs> so if you do have a comment or question, where can you send those to Rebecca? You can, of course, send those to us at bdmonin at nktelco.net or submit them on Twitter to at Bruce Monin for as long as Twitter is still alive. 
or find us in the streets or catch dad at buds on Wednesdays. There you go. We have 14 games to look at this week that involve six area teams. We'll highlight them as they come up, but we shall start as always with division one and work our way down. I feel like we don't often start with division one. I feel like we quite often skip it. Okay. We will start as always with the largest division that we're doing and work our way down. Okay. Make you feel better, Rebecca. Yeah. I'm just, we're doing division one this week. Yes. Cause we're so knowledgeable of division one, right? Yeah. It's, it's not going to be a strong showing from us. We're going to start with a team. Coach Thompson mentioned earlier as a team, he did not want to schedule. Lakewood St. Edward, 13 and one, and the one seed in their region hosting the one seed from another region, from region three, excuse me, (laughs) Gahana Lincoln, who's also 13 and one. St. Edward has 6% more computer points in this matchup. The old fantastic 50 likes St. Edward by 24 points. Cal Prep says St. Ed's should win by 15. They have absolutely no common opponents this year. Uh, The closest connection I can find is this is a rematch of their 1976 state semifinal game, which was won by Lincoln, 28 to nothing. Not sure that's real relevant today. There's extra fire to beat them this time. Yeah, There's probably some old guys in the stands still upset about the game in 1976. (laughs) So, Coach... We'll always let you go first here. Is there anything you know about either of these teams? And if you have any idea who might be the winner? I, I live over not far from Cleveland, and I've I've seen St. Ed play many games through the years being broadcast on Spectrum TV. I mean, that's a school that has tremendous amount of D1 talent every year on their team. And they're they're not only loaded with talent, but they're loaded with depth. And obviously, being a Catholic school, they've got a huge advantage of bringing kids in from a lot of different areas up there in the Cleveland area. And they've got uh, quite a reputation of being an, uh, a great football team. Interestingly enough, Lakewood St. Ed, uh, back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, was a wrestling school as much as it was a football school. In fact, their legendary wrestling coach, Tom Ferguson, led St. Ed to state title after state title after state state title in wrestling. But they have kind of taken over the reins of the, the football powerhouse that, that had been with St. Ignatius for many years. And now St. Ed has pretty much taken over as the dominating big school in the Cleveland area. Plus, I've, I've I like the fact that they're also the Eagles, and uh, the uh, North Central is the Eagles. So I, I don't think there's anybody to go with other than Lakewood St. Ed to win that game. I like that reasoning. Yeah, it sounds like something I would do. Yeah. Go Eagles. Go Eagles. I'm going with St. Ed's. Um, yeah, I've, and I've nothing because, to argue against that. And partly because at the start of the season, they were considered one of the two favorites to win state before the season started. Speaking of which, the other team most people thought was a favorite is in our second game in Division I. That would be Archbishop Moeller out of Cincinnati, the one seed in Region 4. They are 13-1, playing Springfield, the two seed in Region 2, I believe. They are 12-1 on the season. Moeller has 4% more computer points. The old Fantastic 50 website likes Moeller by 8. 
Cal Preps likes Moeller by six points. Absolutely no common opponents. And it's a rematch of a Final Four game from last year where Springfield won 22-21. to 21. Mm-hmm. And the thing I find interesting about Springfield is their starting quarterback actually played for Arcanum last year. He somehow decided it was better to go to Springfield to finish out his high school career for a senior season. And it seems like he's quite the quarterback there. And he's got a Division I team in a state semifinal. So do you know anything of this, Coach? About these schools, <laughs> I, I I know the reputation of Cincinnati Moeller. I've watched them play football for many years. Also, I recall Cincinnati Moeller back when Jerry Faust was the head football coach <laughs> there. And you're talking about not only state mythical state champs and and state champs from being in the playoffs, but also being highly ranked in the national rankings. They have a tremendous tradition there. They have also won state championships in football and it's it's a very important sport to them. I would think that they're going to be have a little bit of revenge on their mind losing by one point last year. And I would once again another one of these programs they're just filled with D1 talent. They have depth everywhere. Once again I'm I'm going to have to pick Cincinnati Moeller to be to win this game. Well, around here I all I can say is the Moeller Symbol and flag looks a lot like the Michigan one. So during Ohio State Michigan week, that's not always popular. But both the owners of my favorite pizzeria, Bud's Pizza here in Minster, Ohio, are played football for Molars. And I'm not an Ohio State guy, so I have no problem with that. So I'm with Molar myself. <laughs> yeah, I gotta say the branding of Molar down here in Cincinnati is a little hard to avoid. Um they've they've certainly got their their tight fists clenched around the population of the city. In fact, their, their hockey team practices at my ice rink, so I see them now and then. So, I mean, I'm going Moeller. Okay. <laughs> you ever just hang out with them? Hey, Moeller no. hockey team, how's it going? No. no, they're all like 14 to 18. That is not a good age range for me to hang out with. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. <laughs> and Although there is they did no... hang the senior posters on the wall of the ice rink, so that's fun. But there is no molar figure skating team, huh? No. Okay. Too there bad. is not. Okay, we're moving down to Division Two. Here's a team you see in the Final Four about every year. Maslin Washington was the number one seed in their region. And they're playing a team that perhaps has been the best team in the state of Ohio the last several years. Akron Archbishop Hoban, who's also 13-1. and one. Uh, Maslin actually has 1% more computer points, although that's pretty much a tie. The computers, they like Hoban. Fantastic 50 likes Hoban by six. Cal Preps likes Hogan by Hoban by 13 points. Mm. Interestingly, they both actually played Lakewood St. Edward this year. Maslin won the game by three points back in week five. Hoban lost by 21 points in week 10. Although I tend not to trust week 10 games too much for teams that are already locked into the playoffs real well. Who knows what they're doing before the playoffs start, as we saw with that New Bremen-Delpha St. John game down here in week 10. And this is a rematch of the 2020 state title game. Hoban won that one 35-6. Just dominated the game. Once again, I'm familiar with both these programs. Uh, Maslin is uh, legendary if you, you know, for great football teams takes me back to 
the 1980s when we used to watch the state championship games in Ohio Stadium down in Columbus. And I remember watching Maslin, Washington. I believe they might have been playing Cincinnati Moeller. And I'm up quite high in the, uh, the stadium, the seats kind of looking down onto the field. And I see this looks like a little guy for a school the size of Maslin. This, this guy's playing both ways. He's playing fullback for them on offense and he's playing linebacker, inside linebacker for them on defense. And what I noticed about him is defensively, he's all over the field. He's making tackle after tackle after tackle. And I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm saying, wow, this guy's really good ball player. And he's playing against, you know, a state caliber team. And I mean, he's all over the place. So I'm trying to find a program so I can find out what this guy's name was. Found a program on the, uh, was laying down on, the, on a seat. And I looked it up and uh, his person's name was Chris Spielman. And I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm saying, wow, I mean, uh, here's this kid's, uh, he, I mean, he's got greatness written all over him. Obviously he goes on to play at Ohio state and then goes on, I believe he t- plays for the Detroit lions and barring neck injury that kind of shortened his NFL career. I mean, I also remember watching him in state track meet. The, k- the kid was a shot putter and he made it to the state finals his senior year. And I was watching him throw the shot put. And he, he was one of the only shot putters I've ever seen throw the shot put in work boots. He, he would walk out off some of the side into the circle and he threw the shot put wearing work boots. <laughs> now, you know, that gives you a little mental, a little bit of the mentality of Chris Spielman. I mean, he's a workmanlike guy and probably carried a lunch pail with him too. But, you know, once again, back to Maslin, Washington, back in the, the, you know, years before the 70s, Maslin was just one school and one large community and everything was football there. You didn't have Jackson. You didn't have Perry. I mean, you didn't have all these other schools that are dividing up their talent, but it's still quite formidable. I, I think this particular year, uh, once again, I think revenge is going to be a factor for them. I think they've got things rolling and I'm going to pick Maslin Washington to win the game over Hoban, although Hoban has been a great football team, like you said past several years. I mean, quite possibly of any division, the best football team in Ohio. But I think this year, I think Maslin Washington might get the best of them. Back in the, eh, what would it have been, early 90s, Rebecca, I guess. I used to go to all the state championship games when they were in Maslin and Canton. It was always kind of fun because I'd show up there in my Minster outfit and the big orange and black block M. Everyone thought I was a Maslin fan. Maslin coach now, Coach Moore. He was here at Minster for several years, led us to many mm-hmm. playoff appearances. But I'm still taking Hoban, Rebecca. It's a yeah. I was about to say. <laughs> now this would be something. Maslin is a storied, storied program, perhaps the most famous program in Ohio high school history. But they've never won a championship since they started the playoffs. All their titles came back when they had the when it was decided by a vote of sports writers and that sort of thing. Not that they weren't the best team, just that that's the way it was done back then. And then, as Coach mentioned, they started getting their school district divided up some about the same time the playoffs started, and their school shrank in size a little bit. But that's still a football crazy town, I tell you. I think they sell something like 10,000 season tickets to their high school games. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yes. That's terrifying. but I'm still taking Hoban. Yeah, Maslin's definitely got more name recognition in the area and in the state football 
history. But um, we just got done talking about how the computer points computers <laughs> seem to be nailing it pretty well. So I'm just I'm going to lead on that unless they're real tight. All righty. And now the majority of people seem to think that is the state title game in Division Two, but I'm sure these two teams in our next game feel otherwise. We have Toledo Central Catholic, who's 13-1 and one on the year, playing Kings Mills Kings, who we just mentioned in our scores of the week. They are also 13-1 and one on the year. Toledo Central Catholic has 22% more computer points. Fantastic 50 likes them by 17 points. Cal Preps likes them by 10 points. No common opponents there. So we get Toledo versus Cincinnati. Usually Cincinnati's known a little more for their football, but not necessarily at King's High School. Well, I I want to do a shout-out to the Wapak Stadium people. You mentioned that this game is going to be played at, at their stadium. We actually played a high school game there. This year we played New Lebanon Dixie at Wapak Stadium. You talk about one of the nicest stadiums in Ohio. It's a very, very nice stadium. They were I mean, they had people on site. They just did a great job of hosting our game. Uh, great facility, great people to work with. And once again, I want to thank them for what they did for us and in, in hosting our game. A fantastic place. Uh, we also played at Fremont Ross's stadium also this year, and, and they were just as kind and very hospitable to us. But back to the game. Years ago, I was an assistant coach at Oregon Cardinal Stritch High School, and we used to have to play Toledo Central Catholic and Ooh. Some of the we played all the Catholic schools in Ooh. in Toledo, St. John's, St. Francis. I mean Toledo CC. We played area uh, Catholic schools. We played Lima Central Catholic. We played Elyria Central Catholic. Plus, then we played a abbreviated city league uh, schedule. It was it was a very grueling schedule. I would say I'm so. familiar yeah. with Toledo Central Catholic. They finally got their own stadium uh, years ago. It wasn't wasn't that long ago. They they did not have their own stadium to play in and. They started a fun drive and were able to raise the funds to uh, build their own stadium right there at, on their campus. And it's a very nice facility. And I think that helped them in, in their recruiting process of getting kids to come there and play. And so I know that they have been a real solid football program for quite a few years. They've been in the state finals. I'm very familiar with Avon High School and the prowess of their football program. And they just got past Avon recently. Uh, anybody that's capable of beating Avon in football has got an outstanding football team. They played a very, very tough schedule this year. And so I'm going to go with Tulsa Central Catholic to win this game. I, I really don't know that much about King Mills uh, King High School. I'm sure they've got a very fine football team also. But Tulsa Central Catholic's been in the finals before. This isn't their first rodeo. And I think that will carry them on into the final game. Well, that pretty much covers anything I was thinking and then some. So I'm going with Toledo Central Catholic myself. I am as well with the added note that maybe the Kings Mills Kings players are a little bit distracted by all the roller coasters in their backyard. <laughs> Personally, I always prefer the bike path that goes through there, but I understand the roller coasters. Yeah, the bike path would not be distracting, right? Not as much, no. No, all right. Might even be helpful. It could be. Heading to Division Three. And I will tell you, this is the game where I may know the least about both the teams involved of all of them here. Oh, yeah. Okay. We have 12-1 and Canfield playing 11-2 and Parma Heights Holy Name. Canfield, if I remember, I beat Chardon last week, who's been very good the last couple of years. Canfield has 10% more computer points. 
Fantastic 50 likes Canfield by 12 points, and calpreps.com likes Canfield by 7. They have no common opponents, and this is the first ever meeting between the two schools. Canfield is a part of the Youngstown-Warren metropolitan area, so it is on that eastern blind spot that you and I have, Dad. That means there's some good football out there because we'll be talking about Warren John F. Kennedy a little later in the podcast. I knew that Canfield was up around the Youngstown area, and they do play excellent football in that area of the state. I'm familiar with Holy Name. One of my guys assisted for me uh, years ago is the head coach at Leary Catholic, and Leary Catholic has played Holy Name. Leary Catholic had a real fine season this year, but I, I believe they had lost to Holy Name in the regular season. So I know that Holy Name has got a, a really good football team, and they're going to give a good accounting for themselves. That must have been a heck of a game last week because they're playing, I mean, two Catholic schools out of Parma playing one another. I'm, I'm sure they filled the stadium wherever they played it at. Had to have been jam-packed. But I th- honestly, I, th- I think that Canfield is going to be the better team on the field when they play uh, this week, and I'm picking Canfield to win the game. One side note I had, you mentioned Holy Name and Illyria Catholic. I don't know if you remember. I forget the name of their conference offhand now. Great Lakes. Okay, you're right, the Great Lakes Conference. They did something this year I had not seen before. They divided up into two divisions, and in week 10, the, the leader of of the one division played the leader of the second division for a week 10 game. And then, and then number two played two and three played three. And I don't think the state had ever allowed that sort of thing before where they didn't know who the opponent would be before a couple of weeks before the game happened. But I don't know if that's a test run or if that's the thing now, as long as you have, as long as it's set, which team in the standings plays who maybe that's allowed. But I thought that was kind of nice that you end the season playing a team of approximately your same level should have made for some very good games in the season but i'm still taking canfield anyway but but i like what the great lake conference did there yeah i'll I'll lean into the canfield bandwagon here all right and their opponent we have bloom carroll 13 and one who was only the number five seed in their region oh okay by the way number six is the lowest seed still alive anywhere so that's the old uh, computer point system did pretty well picking who was going to be the winners of their regions this year. 17 number one seeds out of the 28 regions advanced to win their region. So, But Bloom Carroll, they are playing a team that finished third in their region, which would be Tippecanoe, who we mentioned earlier. They are also 13-1 and one out of Tip City. The computer points are so close. Bloom Carroll has more points, but by less than 1%. <laughs> Fantastic 50 likes Tippecanoe by three points, and Cal Preps likes Tippecanoe by five points. No common opponents between these teams. I don't know if we've mentioned this before, Rebecca, but the, the Tip City Tippecanoe head coach was head coach at Fort Laramie for a number of years, so I actually know the guy a little bit. So heck of a coach, I tell you, as shown by how far his team has gotten this year. Well, admittedly, I, I don't know that much about either one of these schools. For some reason, I'm kind of drawn to the, the name Tippecanoe. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's something that might, from my childhood, reading some some books or something, that, that name just seems to strike a bell to me. And so it's kind of, for me, a toss-up, and I've got Tippecanoe winning the game over Bloom Carroll. How about you, Rebecca? Do you know where the Tippecanoe comes from? I imagine it was some battle in the 
American, French, and Indian War, something like that. But mostly, I got it from Tippecanoe and Tyler, too, the campaign slogan. Correct. That would have been William Henry Harrison, who's famous for catching pneumonia while giving his inauguration speech in the rain and dying about 30 days afterwards. Yeah. (laughs) William Henry Harrison commanded the forces that defeated uh, Tecumseh's warriors just before the War of 1812. Uh Actually, the Indians should have crushed them, but they had very bad leadership of that. Tecumseh wasn't there, and Tecumseh's brother was not good at all. But anyway, uh, (laughs) he was a little bit of a charlatan, let's say. (laughs) <laughs> but enough of that history for now. That's where the Tippecanoe comes from. I'm taking Tip City myself. They they fooled me last week. I went against them and I paid. I'm not going to do it again. Mm-hmm. That sounds like agreement from Rebecca there on the Tippecanoe and Tyler 2 pick, huh? Correct. And you right. bolded it in the script, so that's something. That's because that's one of our teams in our coverage area, Rebecca. You know, I would make that connection normally. <laughs> That's why when you scroll down and see Liberty Center, they are also bolded, you notice. Yeah, we've just been doing a large run of teams we don't follow. So it was That's a right. surprise for me. Well, West Central Ohio is full of smaller schools. <laughs> yes. So getting closer, but not quite. Division four. We'll start with Cleveland Glenville. We talked about them last week quite a bit. They are still undefeated at 13-0. and Beat Van Word, if I remember right, pretty well last week. Yes, they did. And they are playing that number six seed I mentioned, Jefferson High School. It's also known as Jefferson Area. Okay. They are 11-3 and three on the season. Someone on the internet has already called this the Hoosiers game of the football playoffs, with Jefferson Area being the Hoosiers and Glenville being the big team that's heavily favored. And here's how heavily Glenville has 58% more computer points. Fantastic 50 likes Glenville by 30 points. And Cal Preps is not quite as convinced. It only likes Glenville by 28 points. So about a four-touchdown favorite in this game. Oh, and by the way, Jefferson has 22 total players on their roster for a Division IV team. That's not very many at all. How many you have on your roster there, Coach? We started out two days with 19. And we finished up the season dressing 22, I think, is what we ended up with. We actually entered one game this year with dressing 17. And so we, that was, that's our, our Achilles heel. That was one of, that's one of the things that we're really working hard on trying to, to get our numbers up for next year. We know that playing a varsity season, you've got to have some depth and depth comes from numbers, and we're, we've been working on that ever since I've been there, trying to get more kids playing the sport. And it's uh, hopefully this with this season, the results this, this uh, year, we'll have more kids interested. We've get, we had a really good junior high team this year with good numbers, and we're, we're expecting to have a good eighth-grade class coming up as, uh, as freshmen this year. So we're, we're looking to have quite a few more players on the team this coming year than this, our past season. Kind of right. impressed that you got three more players from two a days to the end of the season. Well, well what happened is we were, once the school uh, year started, we hit the hallways to see if there was anybody out there that was interested in playing, but uh, had not 
given it a whole lot of thought. They might have been working a job. They could have been, you know, busy on their farm because we do have, it is a farming community. Mm-hmm. And, and so we, we were able to pick up uh, several other players uh, once the school year started. And, and for some of these kids, it's the transportation is an issue for them uh, being able to get in, you know, for mm-hmm. practices and get home for practices. Although typically we're going to carpool, you know, we'll have our upperclassmen drive kids around if they need a ride. But with them busing in, once school started, all we had to do is find a ride for them to get home. And we were able to pick up a few more players. Makes sense. All that to say, um, 22 players in Division Four also sounds challenging. Yes, very much so. And by the way, Coach, that what you just mentioned there sounds a little familiar. I know that over at Marion Local, they actually assign their senior players to one of the underclassmen and their job is to get them to any practice or football function or whatever that that their job is to help get them where they need to go until they get their driver's licenses so that's probably done in many other places i would think and it's a good mentoring opportunity too mm-hmm. yeah it's i i think it's a form of leadership you know you know we expect our players especially upperclassmen to be leaders for the team and be a positive influence and Developing good relationships with the younger kids is an important part of that. Back to this game, Glenville's the heavy favorite. Are any of us going against them? Not me. <laughs> I'm not. Ted Ted Ginn has done a great job at uh, Glenville. I mean, he's the legendary head coach there. His son, Ted Ginn Jr., obviously a great athlete. I've seen Glenville play several times. They've got these big hawking linemen, and, and then they've got these real fast, skilled kids they get the ball to them and uh, they, they can just literally outrun you. And they beat Avon early in the season. If you can beat Avon, you've got a really good football team. Uh, they beat my high school in the first round of the playoffs in the Poland, didn't have any problem with them. I, I don't think that I, I think they've got a clear path going all the way to the state final game. Uh, I think they'll win that game easily. Three unanimous. We're going Glenville in that game. And when they reach the state finals, then. They will play one of two teams I find very interesting. One is Steubenville, who's currently 12-2, and two, another historic program. Uh, and the fans there all know it, too, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I, I know from my times going to stay, I made friends of several people from uh, Steubenville. That is a program that's been good for a long time. And as such, they play a lot of West Virginia and Pennsylvania teams because, to be honest, nobody around them wants to play them. And they're going up against Cincinnati, Wyoming, who's undefeated 14-0, I believe has the current record for longest regular season winning streak in Ohio. As we mentioned earlier, they just had their 10th shutout of the year, but they've never really done it in the playoffs too far. And here's their chance. I don't even know if they've been in the state semis before. I couldn't find that anywhere, but here's their chance to get to the state title game, but they have a formidable opponent to get past. Looking at the computers, Steubenville has 3% more computer points. Fantastic 50 likes Steubenville by seven points, but Cal Preps only likes Steubenville by one. So it envisions a very tight game. Oh, and I mentioned the uh, Steubenville's history. They have played 103 playoff games before and somehow have never played a team from the Cincinnati area in all that time. Found that one kind of curious. but Yeah, that is interesting. And 
Finally, no common opponents between these two. That doesn't surprise me. They're pretty far apart. And in general, Cincinnati teams don't range too far and wide during the regular season out of the greater Cincinnati area. Well, obviously, you mentioned that Steubenville is a storied program in football, their area of the state, the Big Red. I've once again watched them and play in state final games before, and, and they always account for themselves really well. Interestingly enough, back in the late 1990s, 2000s, I was an athletic director and assistant principal at Chillicothe High School, and we had to play Steubenville at Steubenville. And I traveled with a team over there, and I found it really interesting. Uh, throughout the game, they have this stallion. It's like a, uh, uh, it's a statue of a stallion that's standing up with his hoofs out in front, and it's blowing flames out of its nostrils every time they would score. And, oh, uh, cool. and uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty awesome to watch. Probably enough, uh, the, our Chillicothe uh, Cavaliers handled themselves really well, but I think we ended up losing the game. It was a really, really tight game. But they, I know that they've got an outstanding program at Steubenville. Uh, their kids play hard. Irrespective of that, I I think Cincinnati Wyoming is going to be the better team in this game, and I'm picking Cincinnati Wyoming to win the game. Yeah, I found this one to be this might be my most difficult pick of the whole bunch, but I'm leaning your way, Coach. It's Rebecca will chide me here. The computers say Steubenville. They've all been there before, the fans and the players, and everyone else, and Wyoming a little bit of new territory for them. But man, ten shutouts. They've got a defense. Now, I know their league is not as challenging as some, but I'm still going to Cincinnati, Wyoming. I am too. (laughs) Got to pick the hometown team with the good coffee shop and the pastry shop and the deli. Plus, (laughs) the computers are right more often than we are, but they're not 100%. They are not 100%, that's for sure. So you just have to pick the one time they're wrong, right? Exactly. I think this one's it. Okay, down to Division 5. We're going to start with Canfield South Range, 14-0. Many people consider the best team in the state in Division 5 and have for most of the year. Up against 14-0 Liberty Center. Uh, South Range has 4% more computer points. Fantastic 50 likes South Range by 7. Cal Preps likes them by 4, so close game. No common opponents anywhere at all but it is Liberty Center, and they are playing awfully, awfully tough this year. I've watched Liberty Center play two playoff games this year. I, I watched them uh, play. They're a very physical football team. Uh, they're a Henry County football team. Uh, Napoleon's in Henry County, too, and Henry County plays some pretty good football, and they've got some seniors on their football team that are uh, just incredible leaders. They motivate themselves and the players around them. The senior quarterback that they've got has been like a three-year starter for him, and uh, he just seems to – he's a playmaker. He makes plays when there needs to be a play made. He can make plays with his feet. He can make plays with his arm. They've got really physical linemen. Uh, They play outstanding defense. When you consider the – one of the games they played was against Liberty Benton. They literally shut out Liberty Benton. Liberty Benton is a wide-open – offensive team throw the ball uh, a lot have been very successful doing that and Liberty Center just destroyed them and what I was impressed with most with them is they did a great job camouflaging their secondary coverage and it was confusing to the Liberty Benton quarterback and their receivers and 
And when they did get a ball thrown to the receivers, their defensive secondary came up and stuck them hard. I mean, they made them pay for catching the ball. They're just a real physical football team. I expect that South Range and Liberty Center, I think they're both undefeated. And I, uh, yeah, the other school that I watched them play was against Coldwater. And obviously everybody knows about Coldwater and their, their success, you know, state champions pretty much year after year. And Liberty Center dominated them. And I went and watched them play uh, over at Lima Senior Stadium. And so Liberty Center's, uh, you know, in my book, has got a good uh, good enough team to go on and make it all the way to the finals. I don't know that much about South Range. I have seen Liberty Center play. Some might consider it to be a toss-up. They might consider South Range being uh, the favorite. But I think Liberty Center is going to win the game. Well, I think Rebecca and I would both say, any team that beats up on cold water like that, we like. Mm-hmm. That's I've, seen, sure. I've seen two teams in recent years beat up on cold water, and the other one's called Marion Local. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, by, and by the way, I'm picking them later. I don't remember who they play. But anyway, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> I feel sorry for every one of their opponents. <laughs> I know. We don't give them the respect, but boy, you, you just... Oh, we'll get there. But so anyway... You know... Yeah, a lot of people don't realize this, but Coldwater was a doormat in the, the WBL the WBL years ago when they were in with Defiance and and uh, Salina and I mean they were getting beat year after year after year and they and I think Delphi St. John's was in that conference too. This would have been probably back in the 70s or early 80s. And they literally had to leave that conference because they were just getting beat up so bad by those schools. And it was a great move on their part. You know, they got into a, uh, a situation where they could be more competitive with who they had to play, but they were accustomed to, you know, playing the, you know, the Defiances, the Elidas, the Salinas, the Wapox, the Kentons, and they just couldn't compete. Uh, and so both those schools left to go to uh, greener pastures, and they obviously found greener pastures. It was a good move on their part. Yes, it was. So we got three for Liberty Center in this game. Excellent. Mm-hmm. And they will be playing against two other very traditional powers here. We have 14-0 Ironton playing against 13-1 Valley View. Valley View actually revenged their only loss of the season against Milton Union last week. Ironton, I remember seeing them in the playoffs for years. No, this was 30 years ago. They were always very good, but it also looked like they were shocked when someone would throw a forward pass, like they'd never <laughs> seen one of those before. Oh, no. <laughs> they didn't need to. They just ran you over. So uh, in this game, Ironton has 15% more computer points. The Fantastic 50 likes Ironton by three. Cal Preps likes Ironton by four. So it anticipates a close game here. Once again, no common opponents of any kind. Well, I was an athletic director down at Marietta High School, and we played in the same conference that Ironton was in. So we had to play Ironton. We had to drive. We drove over to Ironton, played them on in Tank Stadium. Tank I always stadium. thought that was an interesting name for a, a stadium, Tank Stadium. But anyhow, um, you know, Ironton is is got a tremendous tradition in football. I do also remember watching them play in state finals, and they would line up in a T formation, good old fashioned. You know, Ohio State, uh, Woody Hayes type foot, uh, football where they would run that fullback belly off tackle. And, and uh, that's that was their bread and butter on offense. And then they would play real sound, tough defense. Uh, they, they've always had some really good hard-nosed athletes there. 
I haven't seen the latest edition of Ironton play, but I know that they've got tradition. I don't know that much about Valley View. I was impressed that Valley View, Valley View, as I looked at their schedule, they were able to come back and beat a team that had beaten them earlier in the season. So they got revenge. It looks like to me that Valley View is playing, uh, they're playing a higher level of football here towards the end of the season, what they might have been playing at the beginning of the season, so that it, they're making improvement. And that's what every football coach is looking for out of their team as the season goes on, find a way to get better, to improve. And it, it appears to me, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call this the upset special. I'm, I'm picking Valley View to meet, beat Ironton. All righty. Valley View is one of those teams that used to make it this far in the playoffs almost every year for a stretch. They've been, how shall I say, down for them the last couple of years. I don't know if they've been down that far, but they haven't been the dominant force they once were. Looks like they have it back this year. But I'm still going to Ironton myself, Rebecca. Yeah, I think I'm going to stick with the computers this time around. I think I've been tempting fate too much for the last couple picks. <laughs> All right, we're finally down to our two smaller school divisions here. We'll start with Division 6, and each of these games features a team that pretty much 90-some percent of the state figured would be in the state championship game at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. That first team would be Kirtland, 14-0, and pretty much make the state championship game almost every year they are playing against 13 and 1 beverly fort fry which i have to admit is a team i really have not come across much through the years kirtland has 17 percent more computer points fantastic 50 likes kirtland by 22 cal preps likes kirtland by 14 they have no common opponents they have one connection though back in 2018 kirtland beat fort fry 35 to 18 in the state semifinals so I guess you could say this is a rematch from a game four years ago, which means none of the players from that game are still around today. So think of it what you will. Before coach goes, I'll just put mine in. I'm going to Kirtland, by the way. But, yeah. <laughs> how about you, coach? Well, Kirtland, Kirtland and Mary Local are, are, I mean, two schools that have dominated uh, in the smaller school divisions for many years. And it's always a treat to see the two uh, line up against one another. And so, you know, my, my expectation is we'll probably see that same pairing again when we get into the, the first weekend in December. Uh, I, I am somewhat familiar with uh, Beverly Fort Fry. When I was down in Marietta, that was one of the schools in the nearby area. And they do have a real solid football program there, have had one for a very long period of time. Those kids that live in that Appalachian area that, I mean, they're pretty hard nosed kids and they, they play hard and they're, they're good, good, solid uh, ball players. But, you know, once again, when you take a look at Kirtland and what they've been able to do there and, and you know, once again, it, it, I, I was on vacation a year ago and we were driving up along Lake Erie and we, we actually were over by the Kirtland area. So I decided, well, let's stop in and, and take a look at their community. It's a little, little small, quaint, really neat little community, but I had no idea it was so close to mentor. And when you consider the fact that you've got open enrollments that you have today, I I can't help but thinking that Kirtland might benefit somewhat from that open enrollment concept and maybe some kids from mentor, you know, dropping down into Kirtland and playing football for them. They just year after year, they just seem to uh, reload they're either undefeated or one loss and, and they just, 
are just a, a real powerhouse that they've developed there. So obviously I'm picking Kirtland to win the game. The other game, as we mentioned, features 14-0 Marion Local. They are playing 12-2 Columbus Grove, who was only the fifth seed in their region, but have put on a very impressive run here through the playoffs. They were only the five seed. We both picked them last week, Rebecca. Big win for us, huh? I like Columbus Grove a lot. I really do. They're a joy to watch, and I think they can do great things, and I don't think they're going to beat Marion Local. Well, let's see here. Marion Local has 17% more computer points. Fantastic 50 likes Marion Local by 30. Cal Preps likes Marion Local by 29. So according to the computers, this is just barely the biggest favorite of the state semifinal games. Both teams played Allen East this year. Marion Local won by 55 points last week. Columbus Grove lost by seven in week five. That's not a good sign. For those who go back a little bit in their history, Columbus Grove beat Marion Local for the Division VI state title 28-26 to back in 2003. But then Marion Local got their revenge in 2014 in the Division VII semifinals, beating them 55-7. to That was quite some heavy revenge, I guess. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I remember that 28-26 game. I might have been there. <laughs> it's possible. I think I probably was. <laughs> Rebecca and I, being Mac people, we're just solidly on the Marion Local bandwagon. How about yourself, Coach? Once again, I'm familiar with both the programs. Back in 1983, the 1983 football season, I'm kind of dating myself here, though. I was the head football coach at Edgerton High School. We had an opening on our schedule because one of the schools couldn't pass their levy. And so our athletic director went around trying to find a replacement game for us. And lo and behold, he picked up Marion Local. And so back in 1983, we played the Marion local flyers at their facility. Uh, we were coming off our, our playoff season back then there were only five divisions in football and you had to be in the top two in the state, the top two in your region to qualify. We qualified as the number two team in the region that year. Uh, Macomb was the number one team in the region. Incidentally, a side note, you talked about one of the schools uh, having like nine shutouts this year that year uh the year that we would gone into the playoffs we had to play uh, macomb in the regional finals we got beat in the game macomb went on to win the state title that year and shut out every opponent they played in the playoffs they they shut us out they shut out uh i think it was middletown fenwick and then i believe they shut out newark catholic in the finals they had a really really good football team that year but anyhow back to the topic here we went down, played Marion Local. We were rebuilding. Uh, I think we ended up losing the game 21 to nothing. I remember coming back and some of the parents coming and said, man, we went to the concession stand there and we couldn't believe how big those people were. Uh, <laughs> huge people there. You know, it's it's no wonder they, they've got good big kids there. And obviously they've got a program going and they beat Wapak this year, who's got an outstanding, had an outstanding football team. And so uh, obviously Marion local uh, and once again, Columbus Grove is going to, they will, they'll be scrappy. I mean, they're going to play hard. They're good physical uh, group of kids and they're going to play them hard. They're not going to give them anything easy, but I, I think Marion local is just too good for them. I think they'll win the game. couple things there, coach, you hit 1983, that Marion local team would have been the first ever MAC team to make the playoffs. Bad Their head coach's name was Ron Meyer. Ron yep. Meyer was his name. Yep, I know Coach Meyer. Lives in Minster now. Actually, he did back then, too. He 
he's still one of the top running backs in Minster School history, if I remember, right? I didn't know that. Yeah. And finally, we have Division Seven, And again, uh, we have a few traditional powers here, and we have a new power. We'll start with the first game, Warren JFK, Warren John F. Kennedy. They're 12-1. and one. Minster fans remember them from they whooped up on Minster in the state title game in 2016 pretty well. They are facing Newark Catholic, who's 11-1. And, and Newark Catholic's been a football power in this state forever. Uh, Warren JFK actually has 9% more computer points. Fantastic 50 likes JFK by one. Oh. Cal Preps likes JFK by six. So we still haven't had the computers disagree on a winner yet. I find that highly disappointing. No common opponents at all. However, these two teams met in the state semifinals last year with Newark Catholic winning the game 14 to seven. So it was a good game last year. I see no reason why it shouldn't be a good game again this year. Well, obviously I'm familiar with Newark Catholic and their prowess. They've, they've had a great football program for years and years and year, decades. They had a really, really good team last year. Looked at their schedule a little bit, and I, it just seemed like to me that a lot of the schools they were playing this year did not have winning records. So based on strength of schedule, it didn't look like to me that their their strength of schedule is, was as strong as uh, JFK's. And because of that, I think JFK is going to bring things together uh, in this game. And I think JFK is going to win the game. I'm also picking JFK. Mine was just more that despite newer Catholics history, JFK actually has maybe the more robust, very recent history. And that's what I'm going with here. How about you, Rebecca? I'm picking JFK as well, purely off of familiarity and seeing them against Minster. So, All right. And finally, to wrap this up, we have Lima Central Catholic with a 10-4 and four record. Okay. Again, as we've mentioned through the year, quite the difficult independent schedule that Lima Central Catholic had. They were actually the four seed in their region. They are playing 11-3 and three, New Bremen, who was only the five seed in their region. Again, if New Bremen hadn't lost that last game against Delta St. John's, they'd have been ranked a little higher than that. LCC has 15% more computer points. The Fantastic 50 says it likes New Bremen by seven, and Cal Preps likes New Bremen by five. Now, unlike most of the other games, we actually have quite a few connections here between the two. Both teams played Delta St. John's this year. LCC won by 27 points back in week two and then again by 34 points in the second round of the playoffs. New Bremen lost by seven points to Delta St. John's in Week 10, but again, that was a game where their star quarterback, David Homan, did not play much, if any. Let's see. Both teams also played Fort Laramie. LCC in Week 10 lost by one point. New Bremen beat Fort Laramie by 24 last week. But again, the LCC game, one of those Week 10 games, and I just never trust those Week 10 games. <laughs> And finally, this is a rematch of a state semifinal game from two years ago. New Bremen won that game 28 to 26. I remember watching that. LCC just plain dominated that game in the first half. But for some reason, they never quite got into the end zone much. And they were only ahead seven to nothing. It just looked like New Bremen was hanging on for dear life. Then in the second half, New Bremen came out looking a lot better. They took a lead. They were ahead 28 to 20. 
LCC scored a touchdown right near the end of the game, went for the two-point conversion and did a, a running play that had worked for them, I don't know, 10, 20 times earlier in the game, just fine. And New Bremen stuffed it in that when it really mattered. So it was quite the game back in 2020, set up, and I believe New Bremen then just dominated whoever they played in the state championship game afterwards. That was the de facto state championship game that year. This year, looks like it could be another really good one. I watched the game between Lima Central Catholic and Antwerp just this past week, and Lima Central Catholic just completely dominated Antwerp. Antwerp was not in the game. I watched the previous week's game uh, that Antwerp played, and I saw that their star quarterback, Carson Altimus, hurt his ankle towards the end of the game. And I think that really had an impact upon Antwerp's ability to move the ball offensively. It really took away one of the the great dimensions for Altimus, and that was his ability to use his legs to keep the play alive. And and I think that really hurt him. On the flip side – I had not seen uh, Lima Central Catholic play yet this year, so it, it was interesting to watch them. And they actually reminded me a lot of a Coldwater style of offense. They had this really big, strong quarterback, and they ran him a lot in the game. It's It just gives that extra dimension. And Antwerp did not have an answer defensively for them. They they did not control the perimeter at all. They didn't defense the perimeter and, and Lima Central Catholic just went off tackle outside the entire night and they didn't have an answer. They never adjusted. And they were able to throw the ball fairly effectively, although there was a squall, a snow squall at one time during the first half of that game. They had to come out and they had to uh, sweep off the field just to get the lines and the hash marks uh, for the officials to, to work with. I'm, I'm familiar with New Bremen. Uh, I believe two years ago they won, won the state title, and it, and it was kind of an interesting scenario for them when you consider that at not long before that they were considering dropping football because they didn't have the participation, and, and evidently their school and their community uh, rallied around that, and, and they kept football alive, and it was a great re- reward for them to win a state title. Once again, another one of those MAC schools this game, once again, I don't know what happened to Lima Central Catholic about midway through the season. They lost three games in a row. They could have had injuries. They could have had uh, illnesses. They might have been disciplinary issues. I have no idea, but I found it curious that they lost three games pretty much right in a row, and then all of a sudden they got right back on the winning ways and they started winning games again. I think they've had some consistency problems in their performances in the games in the past because of that. I'm going to pick New Bremen to win this game. All right. I'll throw one more thing out there. You mentioned you LCC reminded you of cold water. The uh, New Bremen cold water this game, this game this year was won by cold water 35 to 28, by the way. Very, very good game. New Bremen is, has been kind of similar. The games, when they really come out, they look unstoppable. Well, I should say if they play, <laughs> except when they play, you know, Marion local or someone like that, but. When they played Minster, it was no chance. There was they just dominated the line of scrimmage and just gave the ball to the running back one way, and the quarterback ran another play the other way. And I think they ran about three different plays the whole game, and it's all that mattered because they all worked. You don't stop it, why change, right? LCC, I really want to pick New Bremen, and I'm pro- and I'm going to, but LCC just looks like one of those teams that's getting better and better as the season goes on, and those teams 
those teams scare me to pick against, but I'm going to go with New Bremen. How about you, Rebecca? Yeah, got to stick with that hometown, Glaze County pride. And uh, by the way, that I think you got that right, Rebecca. I lost hard picking Antwerp last week in that game. So that was a, <laughs> you got it right, but Ooh. I had to go with the archers and get caught. But we mentioned we'd heard a rumor the quarterback might have hurt his ankle. And I think that was half the reason you took LCC. Someone who's had a hurt ankle, you didn't want to trust that at all. <laughs> no way if that was a legitimate strain, he was going to be back to full condition in a week. Yeah. So, all righty. So that's our picks. I want to thank you very much, Coach. Again, we obviously needed some more help <laughs> after last week, so it's good to get someone who knows these things. <laughs> and congratulations on your year. I like hearing things about new programs and that sort of thing. So, I appreciate that. I appreciate you inviting me on the uh, program. I, I always am looking forward to try to find a way to promote and give some praise to the the, the people, the, the kids, uh, the administration, our school district. They've done a wonderful job of developing and uh, improving our program over the past several years. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to keeping it going and uh, uh, moving ahead with it uh, in 2023. All right. So now out there, you've all heard our picks for these 14 games. Tune in next week to see what we think of the state championship games. And Rebecca, I've worked ahead. I already have a guest lined up, believe it or not. I'm impressed. I mean, we were talking about it earlier. I will leave his name out just in case something happens and things fall through, but it looks pretty solid. Things fall through. We might have to round up another referee. Yeah. Oh, yes. But my our guest for next week is an official, a a new perspective on this podcast, but someone who therefore gets out and sees many teams all across the state. So thought he'd be good to have for our state preview special. Thanks a lot, Coach, and uh, all of you out there. Tune in next week to Bruce Monin's Computer Points. Have a happy Thanksgiving.